Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord for the prayer this morning. Public prayer, and I ask you to continue to be in prayer for the furtherance of the service. This week I have been studying some in 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'd like to endeavor to preach some this morning from this chapter. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. The writer identifies himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And then he identifies those that he's writing to, to the strangers. Now that's an interesting word, strangers. They're not strangers to God, because God knows them. And according to the next verse, he elected them before the foundation of the world. So in what sense are these people strangers? Well, the apostle says that they've been scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. That's a large geographical area. And these are Christians. These are people who believe in Jesus Christ. And they worship him, but they obviously have been persecuted for their Christian faith. So now they have been scattered, scattered by persecution. And that has been a common experience for God's children for the last 2,000 years. Many parts of the world where the church has been has not experienced religious freedom as we have in America. And so people under persecution would often have to flee for refuge. They would be scattered. They would hide out here and there, hither and yon. And I think also the word stranger here could mean there are strangers um, to this world. If you're a child of God, this world is not your home. You are just passing through. That reminds me of a statement the Apostle Paul said in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now, that's a very interesting statement. They confessed, they acknowledged that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. A stranger is somebody away from home. A pilgrim is somebody on his way home. And you and I are both. If we're children of God, heaven is our home. Y'all believe that. We're just passing through this world. So we're a stranger down here, but we're also a pilgrim because we're on our way home. So these people that Paul is writing to were also being persecuted, and, and they confessed that they were strangers 
and pilgrims on the earth. And, and beloved, if you're a child of God, every once in a while you probably feel like a stranger. You may live right in the community where you grew up. And you're familiar with the, with the landscape, with your neighbors. But you know that you're just a stranger in this world passing through. So, the apostle is writing to strangers. They're not strange to God, but they would be strange to this world. People who are dead in sin, have no love for God, they don't believe in God, they don't go to church, they don't believe the Bible. You and I would be strange people to them. You ought to know that. They would look on us as very strange. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Elect. Now I said that they're strangers in this world, but they're not strangers to God because God elected them. And when did he do that? According to the foreknowledge of God the Father. God elected or chose them according to his foreknowledge. Through sanctification of the Spirit, that is, the Holy Spirit has set them apart in the new birth, in regeneration, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And the obedience in this text is not your obedience, it's not my obedience, it's the obedience of Christ. Listen, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Isn't that a beautiful way to start a letter? Uh, talking to them about being elected and sanctified and, and they've been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. And then he says, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. And then in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that, that, that thought. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that you and I can bless God? Not materially. Now if somebody on this earth is hungry and you give them something to eat, you just bless them. If they're thirsty and you give them something to drink, you have just blessed them. Well, you and I can't bless God materially. He doesn't have any material needs. If he did, he'd just create it. You do know he's the creator. In what sense can you and I this morning at this church bless God by worshiping him? By gathering here and acknowledging his creative power, his redemptive power, acknowledging that He is our God, that we love Him, that blesses God. You see, God doesn't worship Himself. He created us for that purpose. How many of y'all love to worship God? I mean, you just genuinely delight in coming to church and gathering with a few of His children and singing the hymns that worship Him and honor Him and you love to pray to Him. And you love to hear His Word declared. You just love to be in an environment where God is being praised. 
That blesses him. He doesn't get that at ball games. Now, I'm not saying ball games are all bad, but I don't think people are at ball games to worship God. At concerts, no. But in this house, and in houses of worship, wherever God's people gather, God is blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when, when, a, when a mom and a dad have little kids, uh, those kids can't really do anything for mom and dad. <laughs> they can't go out and buy them a car or buy them a house, or buy some clothes for mom and dad. But you know, the little children can bless mom and dad, and you know how they can do it? Just by showing their love, their gratitude. And I'd say to all the little children here this morning, you want to bless your mom and daddy? Don't always just be asking for something. Occasionally stop and say, thank you, mama. Thank you, daddy. Are the children getting this? You and I can bless our God by just stopping and thanking Him. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. So, the Apostle says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy, I'm glad God's mercy is abundant. It's not running out. It's not almost exhausted. There's plenty more where the where mercy came from yesterday. It's, it's new every morning. His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, let's remember who is writing this letter. The Apostle Peter. And you remember when Jesus was being mocked and made fun of and scourged by the Roman soldiers, Peter, one of his apostles, stood afar off and looked at him in the hands of these wicked men being brutalized, being beaten. And, and, uh, and, and the apostle Peter had said a little earlier, he said, I'll go with you even to death. But he didn't. When he saw these wicked men Beating Jesus, he cursed and swore that he didn't even know Jesus. And when Jesus died on the cross, the hope the Apostle Peter had in Jesus died along with the body of Jesus. He said, let's go fishing. He went back to his old job of fishing. But something happened in the life of this man that changed him forever. And you know what it was? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. See, he had a hope in Jesus, but that hope died when Jesus died. Because the Apostle Peter did not fully understand why Jesus came into the world as a Jew he was thinking the Messiah had come to drive the Romans out and restore Israel to its glory. That's what Peter was expecting. That's what the Jews wanted. They wanted a Messiah that would restore the nation of Israel to its glory like it had under David and Solomon. 
And, uh, and when Jesus told the Apostle Peter in Matthew 16, I'm going into Jerusalem, I'm, I'm going to suffer many things at the hands of the scribes and the Pharisees and die, Peter grabbed him and shook him and said, Lord, no, this will never happen to you. He didn't have a clue as to why Jesus came into the world. Why did Jesus come into this world? He came to die. He came to go to Calvary and shed His blood and bear our sins and pay for them in full. And the Apostle Peter, having been with Jesus for a good while, didn't get it, didn't understand it, and rebuked Jesus when Jesus told him he was going to the cross. And Peter said, this will never happen to you. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, Peter was not Satan, but I want to tell you, he was under the influence of Satan when he was saying that. And when you and I are being offended by somebody, why can't we look beyond that person and realize who's really after us? It's the devil in them. Y'all get that? So Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou mindest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Well, so when Jesus died, the apostle Peter just gave up, went back to fishing, thought it was all over, thought that Jesus was dead forever. But three days later, you know what happened? Y'all do know what happened, don't you? Three days after he died and was buried, he arose again over death. And the grave. Listen to what he says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. This hope now is a living hope. It'll never die. You know why? Because this lively hope is based on a resurrected Christ. Unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If, if I could be convinced this morning by some power that Jesus Christ was still dead and in a Jerusalem tomb, you know what that would do to my faith? You know what that would do to my hope? It would destroy it. You could have this book that I treasure. I love this book. I love the Bible, but I really treasure the one I've got because I've had it about 35 years. Got all kind of markings in it and quotes in it. And, you know, I just, it's as comfortable as a pair of old shoes to me. I've had it, uh, I've had it sent to the book binder and I've had it fixed three times. <laughs> Pages glued back together. I mean, I, 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 I treasure this book, but you could have it. If, if you could convince me that Jesus is still dead, this building could be turned into a hay barn. All the church buildings around the world could just be turned into dance halls or gambling casinos. But I want to tell you, if he's alive, if he conquered death and came out of that grave, Three days later. And he's alive and in glory. What does that do to my hope? It makes it living. It's a lively hope. And, why, and what is this lively hope based on? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
I want to tell you, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most glorious event in human history. When he, when he met the enemy, death, and conquered it, and came out of the grave to die no more. So the apostle says, now to an inheritance, incorruptible. What are we hoping for? We've all got a hope. Don't you all have a hope? I want to tell you, I went into a little store the other day in Cochrane, and there was a sign up on the wall said, I don't remember exactly, but it said, uh, uh, try to give people hope. When they don't have anything else and they've got hope, they've got a lot. Would you all agree with that? The darkest place in this world is to be hopeless, to have no hope at all. Now, we're hoping. I'm hoping my wife has a safe trip back from Arkansas. Uh, I hope uh, that I'll have good health for a while yet. I'm hoping all of you get along well. I, I hope for a lot of things. <laughs> I do. I hope our government is going to improve. How many of y'all are hoping for that? There's a lot of things I'm hoping for. But I want to tell you, the, here the Apostle Peter is talking about not hoping for something in this world, for a better job or a better house or a better car. You know what he's hoping for? He's hoping for an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and fades not away, which is reserved for you in heaven. Now, that's hoping for something out of this world. I think I mentioned here last uh, Sunday that if you all got notice that you were going to get a letter in the mail and uh, that letter was going to tell you where you're to go to 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 uh, get your inheritance, some wealthy relative died, left you a lot of money, and you're going to be getting this letter in the mail that's going to tell you where to go to get your inheritance. Would y'all be checking the mailbox? <laughs> Come on now, that's a that's not a trick question. <laughs> uh, I, some of us probably trot out there occasionally just to check the mailbox. Well, I want to tell you, as I told you all last Sunday, you've already got a letter like that. And it's right here in this book. And it's to you, strangers in this world, but bound for glory. You've got an inheritance. Now, any inheritance that you get on this earth is, uh, according to what I know about inheritances, it can fade away, it can be corruptible, it can be defiled. But what we've got in Jesus Christ is incorruptible, it's undefiled, and it fades not away. And it's reserved in heaven for you. You could be the heir of the richest man in the world. He could leave you billions of dollars. But I'm here to tell you, eventually, in some way, that money would be corruptible, it would be defiled, it would, be, um, it would, it would fade away. But our inheritance in glory is not that way. You know, in Birmingham, Alabama, where Nelda and I lived for 16 years, there was a section of the city that had, at one time, some of the most beautiful houses you could have ever imagined. Three stories high, all kinds of French provincial, all kinds of architecture. I mean, at one time, all the blue bloods lived in that neighborhood. I mean, they were rich. They were famous. They had servants. You can drive through that neighborhood now. All those old houses have been abandoned. <laughs> They've just run their course. 
Did you know the same thing's going to happen with the automobile you drove in today? I don't care how nice your automobile is and how much it costs. If time goes on, it's going to end up in a junkyard. You do know that, don't you? I don't want to upset you all, but it's true. All the vehicles that are in our churchyard today, nice as they may be, are going to end up in a junkyard. You know what's going to happen to my body? It's fading away. It's not getting any younger. I told the folks Wednesday night over at Pleasant Plains, I said, I've got a picture of me when I was a baby. I was probably nine or ten months old. An Olin Mills picture. I don't know how my parents afforded it, but they they took me to a photographer and got my picture. And I'm telling you, I was one of the cutest babies that ever lived. Now, some of y'all are questioning that. I got a picture to prove it. It's right up there with Nathan. I'm telling you, I was a knockout. Well, you can look at me tonight, today, and see what's happened, can't you? Father Time and Mother Nature are not good makeup artists. <laughs> They're pulling us down. I look in the mirror sometimes and I think, what, what happened to that fellow? <laughs> what happened to the old man? I've got a picture of me holding Olivia Ray when she was little, and my head is leaning over, and somebody took a picture. And they showed me the picture, and honestly, I didn't even recognize myself. All I could see was the head, the white hair. Who is that old man? (laughs) I want to tell you, our bodies are wearing out. We are corruptible. We are defiled. We are fading away. Everybody you love. Did you know that 100% of the people that you and I love in this world will someday, someday pass away? I know that's a morbid thought, but it's scriptural and it's true. But, beloved, listen to what the Apostle says. We're going somewhere out of this world to an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled and fades not away. Your home in glory is glorious. Jesus described it as a mansion. In my Father's house are many mansions. Not rooms. I was at a funeral a while back, and I was sitting right behind Brother Jerry and Sister Winnell. And the preacher was reading from one of these new versions, and he was quoting from John 14. This just came to my mind. And in my father's house are many rooms. Have you all heard that version? (laughs) Brother Jerry would just, oh, he'd shake his head. No, it's not a room. It's a mansion. (laughs) How many of y'all really get that? See, the gospel never does us any good as long as it just stays up here in our mind. It's got to work its way down into our bloodstream. We begin to internalize the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is not just an old man up here talking to y'all about myths and fables. I'm talking to y'all about something more real than my right hand this morning. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, who at one time had cursed and swore and said, I don't know him. (laughs) Let me tell you. Now he's seen his resurrection glory. And he said, I have been begotten to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then listen. 
It's reserved in heaven for you. See, heaven is a reservation. But you may have a reservation somewhere in a nice restaurant or a motel, but you may not make it. <laughs> I had a reservation one time on a flight out of Atlanta, and when I got to the uh, to the gate, I saw the lane, the, the airplane taxiing out. <laughs> I missed it. I had, there was an empty seat on that plane because I had a reservation, but I didn't make it. I want to tell you, you're not going to miss your reservation in heaven. You know why? Because you are being kept. That's the next word. Who are kept by the power of God. I heard about an old preacher in England one time. All he wanted on his tombstone was that word kept. I love that. Kept. Who are kept by what? By the power of God. The power that created this universe is going to keep your body until resurrection morning. Who are kept by the power of God through faith. And I want to tell you, that's not your faith. Jesus kept telling his disciples, oh, you have little faith. I don't think little faith is going to keep us. I think it's talking about the faithfulness of God. Paul said, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Thank you all for your attention.